Aren't you thankful for what God has done in your life? I know the kids are thankful right now because they get to get out of here, go down the hall with Lauren. And if you're visiting with us this morning, just follow that trail of kids down the hallway. You can pick them up when we're done in here. For the rest of us, uh, we're starting another year as it's already been alluded to. And I fully believe that 2022 has the potential to be the best year in the history of East Columbus Christian Church. And that's not just a sales pitch. I fully believe that. I think we're headed in a really, really good, uh, good place. And uh, I'm excited about where we are as a church, where we are headed. I love the changes that we've been making. I uh, love the changes out in the foyer. I believe they're going to help us uh, to better serve our guests when they come in to visit. I also um, think it's going to help us to... Uh, have better crowd flow out there and we're not herding cattle so much after the service or more able to spread out. We've got some new sign-in and check-in systems that are coming up that's going to be really great as well. Fellowship areas out there as well. Uh, coffee more often, so that's going to be a good thing. So I'm excited about that out there. I'm excited about the building expansion that we've been working on for a while now. We've hit a bit of a speed bump in, in the road, uh, but uh, uh, we're going to we're going to believe that God's going to remove that speed bump and some of our costs came in higher than we expected them to come in. So we're seeing where we can cut some fat and uh, get things where we need to be before we break ground. So please keep that in your, your prayers. We've got to close the gap between where we expected the bids to come in at and where they are. So please keep that in your prayers. But we are moving forward and we are trying to be as fiscally responsible as we possibly can. So please, please, please keep that in your prayers. But I'm most excited about what God is doing in His people. I'm excited about what God is doing through His people here at ECCC. Changes in the building are a great thing, but changes in people's hearts and lives are what really, really matters. That's an even greater thing. And I've seen God, amen, give Him a praise this morning. Um, I've seen God working in people's lives in this past year in a big way. I've seen Him changing the hearts of people. I've seen Him moving things in place for people that uh, didn't even think were even possible. I've seen new faces over the past 12 months. That's exciting. And so we need to do our best to continue to welcome new faces into the congregation and make sure that we see more new faces as the year goes on. So what I want to do today is uh, I want to touch on a few points of something that I preached a couple of years ago, and then I want to share a few basic, um, um, I guess, strategies or some things that maybe we need to do, some mindsets that we need to have in order to help us accomplish what uh, we need to accomplish here as a church. Now, some of you might remember uh, a, a sermon that I preached on three chairs. How many of you remember that sermon? Okay. And it's probably the most talked about sermon. In fact, I still have a chair on my desk that Steve Kennedy gave me uh, after the sermon. And basically, the sermon was with something along these lines. We think about the church having three chairs. The first chair is the chair that you are sitting in. It's, in the, ch it's the chair that you are in right now. It represents you. It represents all of us who are already here. You sit there every Sunday morning almost. It is your chair. In fact, you might have even purchased your chair right now. If you remember when we went through the uh, uh, moving the pews out and moving chairs in, we asked you to consider uh, purchasing a chair. So you might have even bought the chair that you're sitting in right now. So it is your chair. Or maybe you feel like it. Maybe the first Sunday that you came in and you saw someone sitting in your 
chair. Maybe you were a little bit irked. Does anybody, don't raise your hand because that'll really embarrass you. But, but anyway, uh, first time someone sat in your chair, maybe you're kind of like, man, I'm going to have to move the other side of the, the room or something like that. So that's the first chair. It's our chair. It's where we come to worship. It's where we come to fellowship. It's where we come to gather around the Lord's table. It's where we sit to be challenged, hopefully, to be fed, hopefully. It's an important chair, and I'm thankful for every single one of you who are in those chairs each week. However, if we are not careful, we have a tendency to be too focused on this chair, this chair that we're sitting in. And what some of us have the temptation to do, and I've been here, so don't think that I'm preaching at you this morning. I'm preaching with you, I guess, because this really hits me sometimes as well. We have this temptation to only be concerned about those of us who are here now, those of us who are in the fold. And sometimes we in leadership, we become too insider focused and we become too concerned about uh, our comfort and what we want and what we have and what we need here right now. And we wouldn't come right out and say it, right? But by our actions and by our attitudes, sometimes that is what is happening. We're too insider focused, only concerned about us, the chair that we are sitting in. We like what we like, we want to keep it that way. Nobody likes change that I know of. And I've said this before. The only person that likes change is a wet baby, right? And so um, we don't like change all, all that much. We like to keep things the way they are. So those of us who are too focused on this chair, here's what we have a tendency to do sometimes. We have a tendency to view the church as a place that exists to meet my needs, Right? Because we all know that Jesus said, you know what, I'm going to go to the cross so that you might have a comfortable life, so that you might have an easy life, so that you can be a part of a body that meets my needs. That's what Jesus said, right? It's in first opinions. Look it up. It's in there, right? Now, here's the deal. And, and again, I've had this type of attitude. We, 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 we sometimes view the church as a place where we come to have all of our needs Matt, it's a place that we come to where um, we want to make sure that we're happy and we've got things the way that we want them to be. But, but we need to shift our focus on those who are not here yet. And we'll talk about that again here in just a little bit. So we get focused on this, this one single chair. Maybe, okay, well, I think I had, them, I had that one in the middle. All right, so this was the middle chair. And then over here to our right, this is the chair of the past, Okay. That's the second chair. It represents the past. It represents all the wonderful people that have helped pave the way for what we have here today. It represents people like the Armstrongs and the Mannions and the Ragers and the Boswells and the Imleys and the Fosters and the Matlocks. I'm going to stop now because I probably already left people out and I don't want to offend anybody, but, but I can't think of all the names. But you, you, you probably someone just came to, to your mind right now who came before us to pave the way to give us what we have right now. And so a lot of us, we think about this chair that represents us, the middle chair, or if we're not thinking about the chair that represents us, we spend too much time thinking about the chair of the past. We think about the way that it used to be. We think about the good old days. We say things like, well, we've never done it that way before. Or such and such would roll over in their grave if they knew we were doing what we were doing, if they knew this was happening. And I'm so thankful for those people who came before us to give us what we have today. And I pray that we are just as faithful for the next and the next generation and the next generation as those people were to us. But we have to be 
more concerned with those in this third chair, or the ones that aren't even in this chair yet, those who haven't even made it here yet, those who if they were to die today, would stand face to face with Jesus, not knowing Him. And, and I look around, and I know there's a lot of things going on. You know, I know a lot of people are just wore out from Christmas and, and, and New Year's, and, and I know COVID is, is ramping up again. But when I look around and I see empty chairs here this morning, and I see empty chairs each and every week, I think, why? You know, we've been given the greatest gift in Jesus, and we're keeping him to ourselves. And I'm not saying that those of you who are here now don't matter, and I'm not saying that those who came before us don't matter. It does, and you do. But we've got to start reaching people in this this third chair. The, the past is important, and God's going to use you to reach those people, but we have to start being more focused on the lost. We've got to be more concerned with reaching those people who don't know Jesus yet than we are living in the past or having our needs met. We have to be more concerned with winning souls than we are with whether we like the way things are being done or not. So here's, here's my question, and this is going to be our theme for the entire year. We, we had a, back in October, we had a great time as a staff getting together and uh, coming up with a theme for the year and, and actually mapping out where we want to go. So here's our theme, and I think it sounds a little bit cheesy, but work with me, all right? Who's your who in 22, okay? Who's going to be here at ECCC worshiping with us because you cared enough about them to tell them about Jesus. You cared enough about them to get them here. Who are you going to introduce to Jesus in 2022? Who will go to heaven because you love them enough to tell them the truth and share with them? <clears throat> so you, you all need to have a who. I've got a who. Kendall has a who. Lauren has a who, Spencer has a who, in fact I wanted to title this message, Heaton has a who, I thought that would have been fun, right? Dr. Seuss would have loved it, Heaton has, I was real proud of that one, but anyway, who's it going to be in 2022? You, you might not even know yet, maybe someone just popped into your brain, somebody who you'd like to see sitting in that chair next to you, if you think back, whenever we asked you to purchase chairs. We asked you to purchase one for yourself and for your family and for that person that's not here yet. And some of you jumped all over that and you purchased chairs for people who aren't here yet. Now fill them. Get somebody here. You know? You might not even have anybody on your radar yet, but I want you to be praying about who that who might be. And I want to share with you some ideas that I think might help us draw people to Jesus. Some things that we can do, some mindsets that we need to develop in, in ourselves that will help people naturally be drawn to Jesus. And that's what we want to do. I don't necessarily care about drawing people to church. I know that sounds bad. I want to draw people to Jesus. If we draw them to Jesus, they will naturally want to worship somewhere at church. We hope that it's here, but we just hope that they find Jesus. So here, here are some mindsets that I want us to, uh, to think about. The first is this. We need to move from a serve us mindset to a service mindset. 
What did Jesus say he came to do? He came to serve, right? He came not to be served. And if anybody ever who walked the face of this earth deserved to be served, it was Jesus Christ. But he did not come for that to happen. He came to serve other people. That's why he came. And I don't understand why we feel like we should be any different than our Lord. And we, we, we shouldn't have to serve someone. You know, Jesus served people because he loved people. And we really, you know, we, we can't really sit back and say, oh, yeah, we love people in the community, but we're not doing anything to serve them. You know, we can say we love them, but lip service isn't going to get it done. We can't say, yeah, you know, I love sinners. I just don't love the sin. But then we don't do anything to demonstrate that love to those who are caught in that sin. And I know that, that, that sometimes we're guilty of this. I know of other churches that are. And, and that it's going to sound like I'm beating up on you today. And I, I apologize, sort of. Um, <laughs> if I'm beating up on myself. I'm preaching to myself as well. It, here's what we do. And this is what I'm guilty of sometimes. And, and I think some of you can relate. If people wander into our building, we might welcome them and show them love. But, to be honest, we show them more love if they're willing to comply to how we do things. If they're willing to comply to our traditions, if they're willing to dress like us, talk like us, look like us, vote like us, basically be us, all right, you're welcome. We're more willing to love them. We're more willing to accept them. But here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, you don't just sit back and wait for people to come to you. He said, you go out and get them. Luke chapter 14, verse 22. Then the master told his servant, go out on the, uh, to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be what? Does this look like a full house? Right? And, and I'm going to get... And this... I'm. I will, I'm going to give you a pat on the back because I talk to a lot of pastors throughout the week and um, we're doing really well post-COVID, better than a lot of churches are in terms of the number of people that are So good job, keep that up. I'm proud of you for that. But our house is not full. This house is not full. And most churches across the country are not full. And the master told his servants to go out and bring them in so that his house will be full. And I firmly believe the more service-minded we become in the community, the less service-minded we're going to become in the church. When we get our focus off of our needs and start putting our focus on other people's needs, that's when we're really going to make a difference. We have to convince people. The Bible uses the words compel. We have to compel people. We have to convince people that they are better off in the church than they are without the church. We've got to compel them that they need Jesus Christ. And He's the only way to get to heaven. That's not a popular message these days. And so it's becoming increasingly harder to, to get that message across to people. But that's what we're supposed to do. And the most compelling way to let someone know that you want them here is to serve them. Commit ourselves to serving other people. Commit ourselves to serving the Lord by serving other people. And our commitment to service in the Lord, it's very, very important in building the body of Christ. Listen, I, 
you know, we talk about commitment in the church all the time. and People just aren't committed like they used to be. And that's great. I think there's some truth in that. But I think it boils down to people just aren't as committed to Jesus like they used to be. Because if we were as committed to Jesus as we should be, then commitment in the church wouldn't be an issue. I, I think, I don't know, we as a church... And this is a church whole. I'm not talking about everybody in here now. I'm talking about the whole church. I think Christians have become too self-absorbed. You know, we want stuff. We want things. We want notoriety. There's certain things we want to accomplish. We want to we want to make some cash, and then we want to retire and have a nice, easy life in in retirement. And so we we do things that maybe I don't know. Maybe we we put things ahead of God. We're not as committed to Christ as we ought to be. We're not as committed to doing things in the church like we should be. And then, I don't know, we, we drop the ball sometimes. I, I, heard, I read a story about uh, a family in Yorkshire, England during the 1800s, early 1800s. They had two sons that were born. The family's name was Taylor. The older one, he set out to make a name for himself. He was all about getting into parliament. He was all about uh, p public prestige and political office and those sorts of things. But the younger son, he chose to give his life to Christ and he committed his life to serving God. Confidently, unconditionally, wholeheartedly, he served the Lord. And with that commitment, Hudson Taylor turned his face toward China and obscurity. And as a result, he's known and he's honored on every continent as a faithful missionary and the founder of the China Inland Mission, also known as the Overseas Missionary Fellowship. Now the other son, who was all interested in public notoriety and prestige and everything, there's no lasting monument. In fact, you go online and you type in his name. Richard Hardy was his brother's name. You type in the name Richard Hardy. You know what it says? Brother of Hudson Taylor. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. Isn't that just like God? For someone who just wanted to go all about being known, he just flipped the script and the guy who didn't care about being known was made known because Jesus was made known. And if you want to succeed in life, commit your life to serving God. Serve others. And then, two, and this one might sting a little bit as if the first one didn't. Uh, stop watching the service and start worshiping the Savior. <clears throat> um, we have to move away from just watching the service like it's some type of performance um, and start worshiping the Savior. And I think it's easier for us to do this the, these days. I'm guilty of this. Sometimes I go to conferences and I listen to worship leaders and I have a hard time sometimes worshiping because I'm, I'm you know, I've shared this with you before. I'm, I'm like, oh man, he, he shouldn't have played that chord there or he missed that note or a little flat or he's doubling on that part or something. You know, and I'm sitting there and I'm just, I'm picking apart what they're doing musically instead of worshiping the Savior. And I think it's easier for us to do this these days with online worship. It's easier to just sit back and watch. And I'm not being critical. I'm thankful we have online worship. It's absolutely mandatory in this day and age. And a lot of you are watching online today. And I'm thankful for you. I'm glad you are. But we have to be careful not to let it uh, become a show, like a television program that we just watch. 
and, and we're guilty of it here sometimes as well. Many churches have moved also from a worship mindset to an entertainment mindset. And, and there's a word that, that I like to use. I don't even know if it's really a word or not, but worshiptainment. That's what a lot of people are kind of into. And if our worship just becomes entertainment that we watch, I don't think, I mean, people might be attracted to that initially because it's good music, but it's not going to last. However, if our worship is genuine worship, if, if it's lively and it's genuine worship, then that is attractive to people. And I'm convinced that when someone does worship our church and they see a room full of people who are genuinely worshiping Jesus, then they're going to be strongly attracted to that. They're going to want to come back. However, if they come in and worship with us and they see a room full of people who worship like they're members of the first church of the frozen chosen, they're probably not going to come back. You know what I mean? They come in and we're cold and we're just sitting there like bumps on a log and we're insincere and we're distant. We're not engaged. We're playing on our phones instead of being engaged in worship. We're, we're posting on Facebook instead of listening to the sermon. Not, if any of you are doing that, I'm not pointing you out right now. But anyway, people want authenticity. They want people who are genuine. They want people who are real. They want real fellowship. They want real worship. They want real community. And we need to become that. We need to be that. I'm convinced that when someone does visit our church and they experience that, they see a room full of people who are genuinely worshiping Jesus, they're going to be strongly attracted to that, and then they're going to take that away from here and go out into their everyday lives, and that's going to spill over into everything else that they do. And people are going to become attracted to that. And then we have to third move away mindset to a combat mindset. Move away from a comfort mindset to a combat mindset. Whether we want to admit it or not, folks, we're at war. And, and sometimes we brush that to the side, you know, we, 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 I feel like we, oh, I don't know, we just diminish how real evil and darkness and Satan are. We're in a spiritual battle, folks. If we're going to believe that God is real and Jesus is real, then we're really foolish to not believe that Satan is real. And he's going after the lost souls of this world. And our mindset needs to be, okay, he's going after them, but so is Jesus and Jesus wants to use us to reach them. I received a, a text message from Steve Kennedy this week, and I love the way God works. It's funny how he works, um, uh, but I, I, I'm going to show you what he sent me. I think it's great. Uh, I, I don't believe in coincidences. I believe in God incidences. I don't know if you can read that or not, but the top says this, the church is not a cruise ship where people serve everyone else who is relaxing. No, the church is a battleship where it's all hands on deck and everyone serves the mission. And here's the truth. We, we can all, we can play it safe and we can stay out of the battle. We can choose that. God has given us the freedom to choose that. And we can show up each week and, and we can be in a safe environment and then we can go out into the world throughout our week relatively easily, not too focused on the lost. I mean, we know, sure, they're out there, you know, but for the most part, we don't do much about it. Sometimes we even avoid them. You know? 
Sometimes we like to associate with those who are already found, and that's good. We need that for, for encouragement and for accountability and fellowship, but we can't forget about the lost. We can't just keep it safe and comfortable. We're at war. It's a cultural war with the world that's been brought on by Satan. If you don't believe that, just turn on the TV or scroll through the internet or pick up a newspaper. And as we're going through this life, I want you to look at those people who are around you. There's wounded people everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. They're wounded spiritually. They're dying spiritually. They're just flat out lost. Are you going after them? Are you willing to get out of your own comfort zone and realize that we are in combat? Because when you're able to move from from just comfort to combat, that's where ministry begins. And I'm warning you right now, if you choose to do this, get ready because Satan is going to start firing some shots at you. He's going to start shooting at you. He's going to start messing with your mind or, or he's going to start working in other people's lives. We've talked about this before, how we need to transform our mind. That's where the battle starts. So we have to transform our minds into the mind of Christ. And the enemy is going to use everything he's at his disposal to get you off track. And sometimes, this has been my experience in 28 plus years of ministry, sometimes he uses people you'd never expect. And sometimes it's the people closest to you because that's what hurts the most. So be on your guard and understand this. Ephesians 6.12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So when you're wounded in battle, do your best not to hold that against the person who has wounded you and understand where that attack came from. It came straight from Satan. Your battle's against him. It's not against another person. You're in combat against the devil. But here's the good news. You read your Bible all the way through to the end, and guess what happens? We win. We win. So I urge you, just as the Apostle Paul urged the church at Galatia, let us not become weary in doing good. And it's been some weary times lately, hasn't it? Can I get an amen to that? It's just been a very, very weary couple of years, you know? When 2020 hit us, we're like, man, I can't wait for 2021. And then you're like, what? Is this Groundhog Day? What is going on? You know, it's just you wake up, it's the same stuff over and over and over again. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And I don't know what it is that's holding you back from totally surrendering your life to Christ. I don't know what's holding your, you back from serving Him the way that He wants you to serve Him, but can I just ask you for a moment to consider the fact that He gave everything for you. 
You know, we just came through Christmas, and I know a lot of people that sacrificed a lot to give gifts to people so that they could have a nice Christmas. Jesus sacrificed everything to give you life. Someone wrote this in the 4th century about Jesus. He began his ministry by being hungry, yet he was the bread of life. Jesus ended his earthly ministry by being thirsty, yet he is the living water. Jesus was weary, yet he is our rest. Jesus paid tribute, yet he's the king. Jesus was accused of having a demon, yet he cast out demons. Jesus wept, yet he wipes our tears away. Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver, yet he redeemed the world. Jesus was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, yet he is the good shepherd. Jesus died, yet by his death he destroyed the power of death. He's everything to us. Those of us who call ourselves Christians, He's given us everything. What are you going to give Him in return? Maybe you'd like to surrender your life to Him. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. We're going to offer a song of decision. Maybe, maybe you're here today or you're watching online and you'd, you'd like to make a decision. You'd like to start 2022 off in a big way and say, listen, I'm going to do things differently this way. And this isn't, I'm not talking about just some resolution that we throw out there like we say we're going to lose weight or whatever. I'm, I'm talking about a commitment to following Jesus Christ for the rest of your life. I think the first Sunday of the year would be a great, a great time to do that. So maybe, maybe you want to confess Jesus today if you've not done that and repent of your sins and be baptized into Him. Or maybe you're here today and you've just been kind of going through the motions and you haven't really fully committed yourself to Him. I don't know what it is that's holding you back, but would you... Just not let it hold you back anymore. Would you surrender it completely to Him? There might be some of you saying, listen, I've been thinking about getting involved in some type of ministry, but you haven't. Um, maybe there's some of you who've, who've got some folks you work with or some people you live with in your neighborhood. You say, I'm going to talk to them about Jesus. I'm going to talk to them about coming to church, but you haven't. Maybe there's some sins in your life that you're just holding on to that you say, I'm going to stop that someday, but you haven't. Would you just give that all to Him today? Maybe you're out there and, and you want to say, I have a who in 22, but I'm going to commit to, I'm going to, commit to making sure they're here. I'm going to commit to making sure they go to heaven. I, you don't need to do that publicly unless you just want to. But would you make that commitment to the Lord today? Lord, I'm going to find somebody for you in 22. I'm going to make sure that they're here. I'm going to make sure that they know you. Could you imagine what this place would be like if everybody in this room today committed to that? I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. Those of you who are watching online, if you have a decision you want to make today, we encourage you to text READY to our church connection number. And uh, we'd, we'd love to talk to you about about coming to know Jesus. Let's pray together.